0: as Jody said, in a series on Jonah. Um, Jonah, Offended by Grace is the, is the title of our series, and we're on chapter two. This is the third uh, of, the, of, of, of the weeks in Jonah, and we're on chapter two. And last week, if you were here, we were left, I thought, on a little bit of a cliffhanger. <coughs> Jonah has been in the storm on the boat. He's been thrown into the sea, and Rob just finished there. So what's going to happen next? I'm sure you were desperate to find out. But you've had to wait until this week to find out, is our hero dead? That would be a very short series. (laughs) Or is something amazing and strange about to happen? Now, I know you know the story. Most people know the story. But Jonah has run away from God. He's been caught in a storm out at sea and he's been thrown overboard. And uh, I reckon it probably goes down as the worst few days of his life, I think. Uh, It would be for me if that had happened to me. Um, I've never been thrown overboard, I don't think. No, Um, I think I'd remember it if I had. Um, Yeah, pretty bad couple of days. And then this huge fish comes and swallows him. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. An enormous fish swallows him. But weirdly, he's still alive. And he prays. Now, it's funny, really, because, although I'm not sure he thought this at the time, um, he's going through all this stuff, and finally, he prays. The pagan sailors on the, on the ship had asked him to pray to his God, and he hadn't. He was running away from God. Finally, now things are really bad, he's prayed. Maybe this is the start of Jonah, getting things right, but maybe not. Let's see, because I think there's a little twist at the end of this chapter and a challenge, and I've been in two minds, not in two minds, I knew I had to bring the challenge at the end, but it's hard for all of us, but I'll get to that in a minute, just so you don't get too comfortable, Um, so Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, he's already been swallowed by the fish, Um, this is the passage, I will read it now. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV version, if you're interested uh, and following. You may be following in a slightly different one, but it'll, it'll sound similar. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life and deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. So, you'll be pleased to know we're not really focusing on the fish vomiting him out. It did make me think, it did make me think that you know he'd been called to go to Nineveh. He'd said no. Now he's going to have to go covered in fish vomit. I don't know. I've, he obviously hadn't thought this through. So, there is a huge amount of depth in this passage. I mean, when you start, and I've been reading about it, as Rob confessed last week, he wasn't a Hebrew scholar, neither am I but I have been reading about it, and there's all sorts of stuff around. If you, if you know the original words, you can see some of the birthing metaphors of new birth, as he's vomited out, and all this kind of stuff. I'm not going to go down that route today. You'll be pleased to know this is not an academic exercise. But I can recommend, if you're into your commentaries, the NIV application commentary on Jonah is brilliant on this, and is really accessible, and has got so much information in if you want to do more research. So have others, but that's, the, that's a particularly good one. The other thing is that I'm not even going to attempt to work out how on earth he was swallowed by a large fish and stayed alive. Now, some of the word, words, I said I wasn't going to do this, but it's, it's fascinating. Some of the words about how he was swallowed and where he was relate to the womb. and I mean, it's, it's fascinating, but anyway, I'll leave that. But I'm not going to go down that route either. Um, this isn't as Bob pointed out this isn't about the fish in the end Jonah isn't about the fish the book of Jonah Uh, it's incredible and it is a miracle and there's no doubt that it's good for us to read these things and understand that this is scripture he was swallowed by a big fish that is the word of God Timothy says doesn't he 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So we don't dismiss it, it's the word of God. But it's not the main thing here. And um, it's good because miracles like this test our belief in the the authority of the word. and go, actually, yeah, I do believe that. This happens but we're not going to major on the fish because that's not the central theme. But it was a circumstance. So the fish, while we don't dismiss it, Uh, it was a circumstance that God initiated and used to fulfil his purpose in Jonah and for those that were saved along the way. So, Jonah is running away. We know that. He's, He's gone through the whole ship thing, the storm thing, been thrown overboard, been swallowed by the fish. Along the way... He's seen people saved. And I, I struggle with this because there he is being utterly rebellious and yet those pagan sailors turned to God and worshipped God. I'll be honest, I'm not seeing that. In my, not, I don't tend to mix with pagan sailors, so I'm not seeing that, I know. <laughs> but I'm not seeing this kind of stuff happen. And I don't think I'm running away from God. So why aren't I seeing this? So we'll come to that a bit later. We'll expand on that. But that's what we've seen happen. So I've told you a few things that, we're not gonna, <laughs> that I'm not going to talk about. And then I've talked about them. Um, but the first thing I am going to talk about from this chapter is from verse 1 and 2. Jonah finally calls out to God. He prays. He's finally, it's finally got bad enough that he's remembered God. And what does Jonah say? Jonah says, and he answered me. You need to know this afternoon that however you feel, whatever situation you're in, God is near you and is ready to answer you. How often have you heard people say, and you've probably said it, I'm sure I've said it, that "Well, God feels a bit distant from me at the moment or I feel a bit distant from God. Or maybe the other way around. I'm feeling really close to God at the moment. I can feel him close to me. Actually, God is always close to you. He's never far from you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And so whatever you need today, whatever situation you're in, he's near you. And he's ready to answer you. It's good to hear, isn't it, things like that? Here's Jonah actively trying to remove himself from God's presence. He just can't do it. Not only that, but when he does get around to calling out to God, there's an answer straight away. In fact, even before he's called out, God's providing. He provided the fish. He knew what was needed. He was there answering Jonah's prayers before Jonah had even prayed them. God's doing that for you. It's not even that God is going to do it for you. He's doing it for you. He's providing for you in ways you don't even realise and may not know until sometime in the future. You'll look back and go, wow, I know that's the story of my life over the years. It's been six years to the day, to this very day that we as a family turned up at Jubilee. Yeah, six years to the day. And when we got here, we were going through our storm. In fact, I'd probably say we'd gone overboard and we were drowning. That's how it was. I don't know why I'm smiling because it wasn't. You know, it, it was horrible at the time. And, um, and yet now I look back on that six years and I can say that was the hand of God. That was God moving on us in a way we had no idea at the time. Absolutely no idea. God's there, ready to answer you, and is in fact answering you and providing for you. So, lesson number one for us today is that God is near us, no matter how we feel. And even when, this is a song, isn't it? Even when he's, he, he is, well, even when it seems like he's not doing anything, he is. Isn't that a song? Even when it doesn't seem like he's working. I, know, I forget song lyrics. <laughs> And he's working everything together for your good. Again, Romans 8, 28, very well-known verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Jonah was called, and (coughs) God knew what was best for him. Jonah certainly didn't. So, Jonah cries out, God answers. But Jonah cries out from what he calls the belly of Sheol. And Sheol is the word used in the Old Testament for the place of the dead. Jonah is saying that he was as good as dead. He was in the sea, he was drowning. Verse 5 and 6 The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land. He'd sunk to the bottom. Literally, and metaphorically. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. At that point, Jonah's thinking, this is it. This is the end. I've gone too far. I've finally strayed out of, outside of God's purpose and presence <coughs> and favor. He was going to die in his rebellion. Jonah's perfectly aware that it was God who had sent this storm, that it was God who had caused him to be thrown overboard. Verse 3, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Jonah came to the realisation that God had put him in a position where he had no way out. At the port in Joppa, when all this started, He could have turned back. He had options. Even when he was on the ship, he had choices. But now, his options had run out. There was no turning back. This was it. Ever been in that position? I have. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just describing it six years ago. I wasn't running from God. I wasn't even in rebellion. No more than normal anyway. (laughs) But looking back on it, I was in a situation where God had been giving me chances to get out of that situation. He'd been giving me opportunities to change the course. And I wasn't seeing it. It wasn't a sinful situation, just maybe a situation where there was some misplaced loyalty and a misunderstanding of what was the right thing for me. But anyway, it got to a point where I had no options left and I had to walk away. It was the most painful situation of our lives. It felt like death. And since then, I've been learning how to mourn what happened. God, in his wisdom, sends the storm. And sometimes it feels like it's him who's cast us overboard. And it's not a nice place to be. It hurts. It's scary and we sink. And we think we're drowning and there's no way back. Jonah thought the end had come. As Jonah sank, he would have felt far away from God, unable to pray and praise and would have felt abandoned. Maybe some of you here today who feel like Jonah at that point, who feel like you're sinking, who feel... Like you've been thrown overboard who can't see God in the situation that you're in you're out of options if you're running from God and Rob has said this over the last couple of weeks then you have the chance to turn to God and we'll look at that in a moment before the storm comes God always gives us options he always gives us that way out maybe God's speaking to you about a change not because you're doing anything wrong but because he needs to call you in a change of direction. Now is the time to act before the storm comes to give you no options to the change. For some of you, you're way past the storm and you're drowning and you think this this is it. God is still in control and God is still near you. What you're feeling is in fact God's grace because he's put you in a position where you can only choose the right way. You see, without God's grace, God's care of you, he wouldn't even be trying to get your attention with a storm, or with being feeling like you're cast overboard. If he didn't love you, if he didn't care for you, if he wasn't gracious, he wouldn't bother. There would be no storm even. The storm is the grace of God. So what do you do next? Well, Often, when you least expect it, and in the most unexpected ways, God brings salvation. For Jonah, it was a fish who swallowed him and he was saved from drowning. It still could have been the end because the fish swallowed him and he could have just been digested by the fish. I mean, it's, it's possible. But actually, Jonah knew that he was being saved at that point. We know, don't we? The hand of God when we see it. He sees the hand of God. And then we finally see something good in Jonah. He realises this fish is sent from God. And he prays and he sees that God has saved him. He, he attributes it to God. <coughs> he turns to God. He's not drowned as he expected. And probably believed he deserved. But he's been found by an unexpected grace an undeserved grace, an outrageous grace. The inside of the belly of the fish should have brought his death, but it becomes a place of safety, relative safety, and praise. Now, from Jonah to pray at this point is something of a statement of faith because he's not on dry land yet. But what has happened is God has managed to communicate to him. He he understands that he's being saved here. God has managed to reach that stamp of identity that is deep within Jonah as a Hebrew man, as a man of God. There's something deep inside the people of God, inside each one of us, that is the mark of belonging to God. And no storm can take that away. No feeling of drowning can take that away. You see, Jonah suddenly sees the hand of God because it's like that that verse deep calls out to deep. There's something in him that goes, this is the hand of God. It's that mark of God that can never be taken. And his faith rises in him and he knows he's going to get through this. It's like that for us. We are the people of God. If you know God, And he has put something inside you, that mark of identity, that nothing can take away. And he will always be reaching out to you. You will get through this. But just as we start to think Jonah's starting to look a little better in this, if you look carefully at this chapter, you'll see that at no point has Jonah repented of what he's done. He's not said sorry. He's not made this dramatic turnaround. But God has saved him anyway. God has provided a way out, even though Jonah hasn't repented of what he's done. Jonah was a Hebrew. He was one of God's people. He was already there in God's family. He belonged to God. But he still needed to repent of his rebellion. But he hadn't done it. But that didn't stop God from saving him and dealing with him. God didn't stand off until Jonah had got himself sorted out. That's grace. The faithfulness of God, the grace of God is outrageous. It's astonishing. That God would look upon Jonah, a rebellious and unrepentant man, and say, you're still mine. And I'm still going to save you. I'm going to bring you back. I won't let you go. Hearing those words from God, I won't let you go, are incredibly powerful. Because no matter where we get to, whatever position we're in, whatever situation we're in, if you are God's, he will not let you go. He will offer a means of salvation. He will bring you back. And we all know we can't get sorted out first. But he'll save us anyway. That's the grace of God. That's the gospel. This is the God we serve. This is the same God that we can reach out to now and say, I need you. And he comes. And then, By His grace, He gives us the means to be free. He gives us the means to repent. He gives us the ability to put it right. But only after He's got hold (sighs) of us. Mind blowing. So, whatever situation you're in, look for that unexpected salvation. Look for God's hand. Open your eyes to what God's doing. You belong to God. Nothing can take that away. Start there and let faith rise in you, like it did in Jonah. However, we then get to a little fly in the ointment. or well, this is how I'm interpreting it anyway. We get to verse 7. And we see that Jonah is praising God. He remembered God. I mean, who wouldn't when you are being dramatically saved like that? And he prays. And it looks like, wow, Jonah's turning around, he's on his way back, this is great. And then we suddenly have this comparison of himself and idolaters. And what appears to be an overinflated piety that just jars somewhat. He ran away, he's unrepentant for it, he's now being saved, and he's saying, Those who pay regard to vain idol forsake that hope of steadfast love, which is true. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. The bit that jars is the but I. It sounds like him saying, I'm okay though. I'm all right, you vain idolaters. You don't stand a chance, but I'm fine. And when we look at that... uh, against the backdrop of him running away and saying, I don't want to preach the gospel to the Ninevites. You think, this guy hasn't really changed. Look at all he's been through. What's he doing? Now, he hasn't been serving idols, and he still belongs to God. That's right and true. He's praying and praising God, which he wasn't before. however we deal with this tension about where he's at and what God's done with him and his attitude still to the unbelievers, it's clear that he was being saved, he was being delivered. But it's also clear that this was the start of more work that needed to be done in him. So what does this bit mean for us? And this is where it gets really, I think, gets really difficult. It's really easy for us to listen to the bit about tough times and being saved by God all the time and God's near us and all of that. Great. It's true, and that's easy to hear because it's nuts. I mean, the fact that no matter what happens to us, God will rescue us. It's true, it's good, and it's lovely. God's grace is always available for us. Although, remember, when Paul asked that rhetorical question, should we sin more so we can get more grace and more forgiveness? No, of course we shouldn't. But God will rescue us. He's outrageously full of grace. But what we need to be careful of is that we, have, we need to guard ourselves against becoming comfortable with that and getting to the point where we're thinking, oh, that's really nice. I'm in a good position. I'm safe. I'm okay. I can enjoy life without too many demands. And forget why God is saving you. Why God is bringing you back. Why was God bringing Jonah back? Because he still had a mission for Jonah. He still had a reason for Jonah to be on dry land. He still had work for Jonah to do. It's the same with us. There is still a mission. You see, we are not being rescued by God just to give us a nice, easy life to put our feet up to enjoy God's grace. Sometimes we want to do that. Maybe we want to do that too much. But have those tough times changed us? Have they made us so grateful for what we have that our salvation has spurred us on to see the salvation of others? That is what God is trying to do with Jonah. He's saying, no, no, I've got a mission for you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to get you because I'm gracious and you've still got to go. That's what he's saying to us. You might be going through tough times. You might be waiting for God to rescue you. But it's not so you can just sit down and put your feet up. It's because God's saying, I've still got a mission for you to do. You are still called to those around you. You are still called to go into all the nations and make disciples. I know it's unusual to hear me say that. Doing Jonah, brilliant. <laughs> it's all about sharing the gospel. Come on. You see, there's a temptation. Jonah was, Jonah was there, and I might be reading too much into this, so forgive me if I am, but Jonah, it seems like he was saying, I'm all right. I'm saved. That's great. You lot aren't very good, but I'm all right. We would never say that, we would never do that. Not with words anyway. But the challenge to us is do our actions betray us? It's a jarring transition this isn't it? To be jolted out of our complacency when we get so wrapped up in our own problems, our own difficulties and forget that it's God forming in at something to share. God is providing salvation to us but we are in danger of not thinking about those us. You know, we would always say that being Christian is not easy. We're not saved for a comfortable life. But We normally say that in the context of us facing hard times, not in the context of the hard graft of seeing others saved. And it does feel like hard graft. Sometimes it is. If it wasn't difficult, We'd be seeing more people added to us week by week, more baptisms week by week. We're not seeing that at the moment. I'm not happy about it I'm in my life. You know, not, this is the reason I found this hard to bite and talk about is because I'm not seeing it. And then when I stand up and say this isn't good enough, you can turn around to me and go, "No, you're right. I'm not seeing it in you. I'm the one. I you know. You can sit there and go, "I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything." I am saying something, but I'm saying I'm not seeing it, and I want to see it, and I'm not happy about it, and I won't rest until I see it, but that's gonna mean considerable changes. Changes in my life, changes in the way I use my time. I'm too busy. I was having this conversation with someone the other day, we were talking about discipleship last week, and he was saying, I don't know what to do, I'm trying to get stuff out of my life, so I can spend more time with those who don't know Jesus. It's just hard. It is. It is. But maybe the storm you're going through is to get rid of some of those things. I don't know. It's a hard word. Have we got complacent and comfortable and busy? And is that busyness really us running away like Jonah? We need to ask ourselves the question. Jonah had not repented, but God in his grace saved him anyway. God had called him to go and warn the people of Nineveh that God had seen their evil ways. We know God wanted to warn them. The very thing that Jonah had benefited from, the grace of God, he was wanting to deny for others. And it reminds me of the parable of the unforgiving servant that Jesus told in the New Testament. Jesus told the story of the servant His master forgave him a huge debt and then went straight out and found someone who owed him a tiny, tiny amount and wouldn't forgive him for it. Jesus had some harsh words for people like that. We have received a huge amount from God. Are we just keeping it for ourselves and not passing it on? Are we receiving the forgiveness and not passing the option of that and the availability of that, the knowledge of that, the news of that? Kate's word earlier on generosity just struck a chord with me. I made sure I wrote it down because, I made a note of it because I think it's really important. We have been given so much. God's generosity towards us is huge. We need to pass that generosity on. Jonah didn't think much of the pagans. He was pretty proud about what he had. Are we hoarding and guarding what we have in God and holding on to it just for ourselves? Or are we ready to share it with others and invite others into what we have? I need to wrap up. Time is running away. So, tough times. They come. Could be sin, but not necessarily. But God is still near you. And God is ready to save you. And wants to call out to him. Turn your face to God and try and be thankful for the glimmers that you do see. I was reading this morning, 1 Samuel 12, 24, where it says, Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully, faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. Consider those things, even if things are tough now, consider those things and let it build faith in you. God hasn't changed. He can do it again. But we have to remember our salvation is not all about us. he have been served, saved, and given a purpose. What are we going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? We've got to do something. It's not happening now. We've got to change something. That's where we're at. And Alison's word at the beginning about more. I think that's where we need to finish today. And we need to ask God for more. I want to see more people saved. we are called to make disciples of all nations. If you wonder what your calling is, if you've always struggled, what am I called to? That's what you're called to. I was struggling Job-wise, for for years, thinking, I've got a job, and it's a good job, but it's not my calling. It's not my life's work. It's it's not not that grand. I know some people would describe their job like that, but I don't. So I struggle. Well, what's my calling? Actually, my job's not my calling. My calling is to make disciples of all nations. My job is where I do it. One of the places I do it. There are many other places that you can do it. If you're struggling with your core, there you go, it's done, dusted. You don't have to worry about that anymore. That's what you've got to do. Can we stand together to finish? I'm aware that I've touched on a a number of different things that will have impacted people in different ways. And some of you might be saying, I just need to know that God's got me and he's near me. Fantastic. More of that for you. That's what we want to ask for. But also for all of us, we want to see more people saved. If you don't want to see more people saved and added in the kingdom advance, ask God to give you the desire. It'll wreck you, it really will. I've got to tell you the truth, it will wreck you because you will never be happy and never be satisfied. Because you'll go, I want more. But we want more. God, we want more. Let's just stand in God's presence. He's so gracious in giving us his presence, his attention He dwells with us. He loves to dwell with us. This is not a difficult thing for God. He wants to be amongst us and he loves the people that are open to his presence and he's blessed us like that. And, and It's just, let's never take that for granted. So as we stand in God's presence now, what's your more? What's your more? Might be various things, but actually, yeah, the one thing I want us to focus on is more people. Not that we want to swell numbers. I mean, I my office is down in Swindon, so if I see people saved and added down there, <laughs> it's going to be other other local churches. Fantastic, brilliant. Doesn't matter. Kingdom advance. More people in your kingdom. So right now, right now, God is putting names on people's hearts. People that you know, people you've prayed for for years for God to save them. We want to see those people saved. We want to see them saved for God's glory. We want there to be people standing here with us worshipping God that currently don't know God. People bereft, people without purpose, people who think they've got purpose, people with no money, people with lots of money, people with no friends, people with lots of friends. God wants them all. God loves them all. There's no distinction. There's no prejudice here. There's no prejudice in God. He'll take everybody and anybody. So Holy Spirit, just come. Fall on us. Equip us for your mission. I'm aware I haven't said anything about how to go and do this. Just ask God. Give me the opportunities. Supernaturally conversations at work, conversations in the playground, conversations with friends. God, bring people to us who are asking questions. So let's just start to pray. Let's just start to ask God. Those people that God is putting on your heart, start to ask God for them. Cover them. Cover their souls for God. Start lifting your voices now, all together. Let's start lifting our voices for those people. Let's call out in God for those people. If you find that hard, ask God to soften your heart towards the lost. Ask God to do something in you that means you can't help but call out for those who need to know him. If you need to repent this afternoon of your attitude towards the lost, then do it. It's a good, it's a first step. Do it. If you don't have any friends to talk to about God, then ask God for them. Ask him for them. If you're deep in the depths and you don't feel like you've got any options, say, God, where's the way out for me? Let faith rise in you for a way out. Let faith rise in you for deliverance, to be saved. Ask God to send his salvation. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the way you speak to us through your word. It's living, it's breathing, it's active. We love it. We acknowledge that it's your word, that you have breathed it out and it's infallible. It's inerrant. It's beautiful. Father, impact us by it. Lord, I pray... But even this week, you will give us amazing encounters with people that we can share the gospel with. Give us the courage not to run away like Jonah, but to face it head on. Don't care about reputations. We'll just talk about you, Jesus. Do that in us this week, I pray. Amen.